Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and on this week's episode we're going to be talking about the 1997 sci-fi horror film Event Horizon, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, written by Philip Eisner, and starring Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, and Kathleen Quinlan. In this movie, a crew of people travel through space to recover the spaceship named the Invent Horizon, which has mysteriously shown up after being missing for seven years. If you're new to the show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion at the top of the episode. Uh, we'll just talk about the background, some trivia, then we'll take a quick break, you'll hear some music, and then we'll dive into the plot, hit the spoilers, and get into our review. Brian, I don't think I'd seen this one since like 1999. Had you seen this oh, one really? recently? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it feels like one I watch every few years, but uh, you know, it'd probably been maybe 10 years since I've seen it this time. Oh, wow. Okay. So, was so this maybe like... not every few years. For a while I was watching it every few years, but uh, it's been it's been a minute. Sure. Uh, was this like one uh, one of your favorites growing up or anything? Yes. When I first saw this as a kid, I probably saw it. I don't think I saw this in the theater. I think I saw it on VHS in like 1998 or something, but I thought it was like this one of the scariest things I'd ever seen. Yeah, same here. Like I, I only remember seeing it like back then, but it, like it stuck with you, like a lot of those scenes and the scariness of it. And it was such kind of a unique movie, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people felt that way at the time. It was... Uh, it, and it, the word got around, you know, it uh, didn't do well at the box office, but it did a lot better on home video and, and the buzz started to build. Yeah. I mean, would you say, like, I feel like it makes a lot of top lists these days for like one of the scariest movies of the 90s or like one of the top like sci-fi horror films. Uh, it, it's It's got quite a following behind it, right? I think nowadays it's gotten quite, it's built up quite a following, yes. Yeah. Which is uh, why I was surprised that uh, the critic score is only 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. 28%. That is bonkers. Isn't it? (laughs) That isn't perhaps the most unaligned critic score I've seen with like general horror audience perception of a movie. And even the critics now, like like you said, check any horror website or horror lists and Event Horizon is fairly beloved. Right. Yeah. Uh, I know, and uh, yeah, here you got 28% and then an audience score of 61%, so you're talking about that difference there being one of the biggest that we've seen? The difference itself, it's big, it's not maybe the biggest I've seen, but just, I think the biggest gap in what I was expecting to see when I looked there, just because today, most horror writers and critics do regard this as a good movie, and I think like we talked about an episode or two ago, a lot of those critics' scores could be concentrated in and around the time of the initial release. Sure, sure. Yeah, that was the one uh, rationale I could think of. Like, maybe back then it just wasn't uh, looked at as highly or whatever, and, and maybe over time it's uh, done better. Yeah, I mean, at the time of its release, it was just perceived as a general failure, both critically and uh, commercially. Right, right. But uh, Budget yeah. is $60 million and a box office of 42 Right, right. But then you got you, you think it, it probably profited once the home video sales kicked in right and the rentals uh hopefully hopefully that's kind of a steep uh, hill to climb up that, that gap but but hopefully it did yeah i just feel like most people i know like saw this at home somehow like i don't know anyone who saw this in theaters but I, I and then know. i think people were showing it i like i know i showed it to other people to be like you guys got to see this movie like this is scared yeah. the shit out of me so i think word really spread once it hit vhs sure sure 
But yeah, I'm excited to hear like uh, at, at the end of this, like where we fall in line with that 28% of critics. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, genre-wise, uh, sci-fi, uh, what else? Like possession, any, anything else you'd put in this? Yeah, I'd call it the, uh, we've kind of tacked on a moniker that we call gateway to hell sometimes mm-hmm. um, for things like Hellraiser or what else did we watch that had that? that tag but any anytime you're watching a movie where there's somehow a portal to hell or yeah you know some Ooh. house is a gateway to hell like the I void think, maybe yeah i wanted to say the void but i couldn't remember i guess yeah the void um maybe that one fulci movie the beyond mm, yeah right yeah, hell, hell tourism. Uh, hell, hell tourism. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and then just uh, horror in space. I feel like is, is such a subgenre too, uh, with with the alien obviously in that whole franchise. And then like in the last few years, have, have you seen movies like Sputnik, Color Out of Space, High Life? Have, have you seen any of those? Uh, I saw about half a High Life before I turned it off because I hated it so much. Oh man! And uh, no, I've, I haven't seen Sputnik. I've heard great things, and I haven't seen Color Out of Space, though I would like to. Would you Would you consider like Gravity or Apollo thirteen uh, space horror or whatever? Hmm. Certainly not Apollo thirteen. Gravity comes close. It's definitely not a horror movie, but it certainly explores the horrors of space very well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, space, space is like thriller. Right, right. Space is, uh, I think, like a pretty horrific setting. Just it's like this big black space and so so much unknown that it kind of seems ripe for horror. It is. It's a great, great space. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> space. <laughs> <laughs> a great <laughs> capital S space for horror. Yeah, some of the best space. Um, the This director, uh, I was surprised to see his filmography is like big things like Mortal Kombat, Resident Evil, Alien vs. Predator, Death Race. I, I, I get the sense he's like kind of an action guy. Yeah, I mean, he, it's not a name you recognize super well. I mean, unless you're confusing him with... Uh, <laughs> PTA? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. But, yeah, Mortal Kombat was kind of a big deal. Uh, the Resident Evil films, say what you will about them, but it's the highest grossing film franchise based on a video game of all time. Yeah. Uh, and he did Alien vs. Predator, which is the highest grossing film in either of those franchises. So. Oh, really? He's been behind some uh, some big money stuff. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like all those like lean more heavy action, and this is like the one that I could tell from his filmography that maybe it was less so action and, and more like uh, or like true horror. Yeah, more focused on horror. Yeah, for sure. He also did one called Monster Hunter last year with Mia Jov- Mila <laughs> Jovovich, but uh, that one's I think a bit more action oriented too. Okay, and that's that's his wife, right? The lead from Resident Evil. Are they married? I think so. I think uh, if if she's the yeah yeah her and uh, Paul Anderson, they I think they're they got married back in like two thousand nine or something. Oh wow, I did not catch that. Cool. Yeah. Um, did you read about how the filming and editing was rushed because of Titanic here? Yeah, was it? Oh, it was because of Titanic, right? They wanted to get it out before Titanic came out. Yeah, I think they were targeting Titanic for like September or October. So they're like, if you're going to do this movie, do it. But it's got to come out in August. And it's kind of like a last minute, like green light thing that we need something uh, to come out in August. So they're under a pretty tight timeline on this one. Yeah, apparently the uh, Directors Guild of America gives a minimum minimum of a 10-week timeline for post-production and editing. 
unless it's a low-budget film, which this movie was not. And then the guideline is six weeks, but he ended up only having four weeks. Right. And then right. he chopped it up into a two-hour and ten-minute film, which performed really poorly at test screenings. And then from there, Paramount really forced his hand to make an edit that was what he felt was overly short. Yeah. Uh, and also reduced some gore, much to the uh, the disappointment of, of horror fans. But the final runtime is about an hour and 36 minutes. Yeah, it's it's a quick watch. It's, it's not, It doesn't feel very long. Um, it and, is and, quick. He said, I think, that he would have loved to add just 10 minutes onto that to make it a better movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's unfortunate because it sounds like all that lost footage, uh, it doesn't exist anywhere. It's all lost. Uh, so they couldn't do like a proper director's cut and, and get that back on there. Yeah, over the years, this has become like a, a fabled thing where everyone's talking about, hey, maybe one day we'll get that director's cut. But it does seem like it's never going to happen. Um, right. Scream Factory released a 4K restoration earlier this year in 2021. And their quote was, we did an exhaustive search for film elements for the director's cut, but as you'll hear in his new 2021 interview, director Paul W.S. Anderson doesn't think his cut will materialize. Unfortunately, most most of the footage is lost, and as he mentions, he'd need to shoot new footage. We moved mm-hmm. the release date a few times because of some leads, but to our disappointment, they didn't pan out. Ah, uh, so. okay. It seems uh, like that, to me, sounds like the final word, like that they're never going to find... Yeah, this footage either doesn't exist or they're not going to find it. And and Anderson said, back in these days, studios, there were no DVDs with extras. Like, oh, that wasn't really a thing. So studios didn't have much of an incentive to keep that stuff. Sure, sure, that makes sense. I thought I saw somewhere that they someone found a VHS uh, cassette that had some of it, but then him and that dude haven't like been in the same country since that's like been found. So uh, they haven't been able to like kind of watch it, but I don't know that that could be unconfirmed. Yeah, if you look up different articles, there's like different little trails you can like go down, and then they dead end. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if the footage available on that just wasn't of a quality that they could ever put on a release, mm. or if it didn't turn out to be as much footage as they thought, or what the story was. You don't think it's one of those things that's going to show up in 2047, and <laughs> they're going to send a crew to to examine it. <laughs> and it's gonna kill everyone. Yeah, exactly. This there's, there's a movie idea. Uh, there's there's a TV show though in the works, uh, directed by Adam Wingard, who he's the your next guy, right? He is the your next guy. Yeah, and okay. uh, that's another thing where I'm kind of wondering if that's ever gonna happen. It was reported on in 2019, and there really haven't been any updates since then. Ah, uh, okay. But who knows? Maybe it'll happen. Yeah, I feel like space uh, and TV shows about space, and, like space operas and stuff are kind of big, like, uh, oh, uh, what's that one? The Mandalorian is, like, kind of big right now. Um, there was uh, there was another one a few years ago, too. Um, but, yeah, I feel like the, the, there's definitely a market for people who want to watch uh, cool stories happening in space that might have a creepy element to it. Sure. I mean, it's a good con. It's a great concept. The premise of this film is awesome to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great uh, concept. But... Uh, I do want to talk to you about the originality of it, which we, we can get to in the review. Um, sure. What, uh, what else you got background-wise? Oh, I got the cinematographer. His name was Adrian Biddle. He was a focus puller on Alien from 1979. He was the director of photography on Aliens from 86. And uh, this the very last film he worked on before his untimely death was V for Vendetta in 2005. Oh, wow. That was shocking. So it's really interesting... Well. Because uh, 
Anderson definitely cites Alien and Aliens as an influence on his filmmaking, so it's pretty cool that he got the cinematographer from Aliens to to work on this movie. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's see. Production design, Anderson said he was inspired by the Notre Dame in Paris, and the goal was to give the ship a very gothic feel. Mm -hmm. So they took some of the gothic design elements from the Notre Dame. Is Notre Dame really how you say it, or does that just make me sound smart? Like I'm trying to sound smart. <laughs> Makes you sound like you're trying to be French. <laughs> Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame. Uh, so yeah, they yeah. took they took gothic influences from that. It was scored by Michael Common, who's a prominent arranger who's worked with many big names in music as an orchestral arranger uh, on many famous tracks and albums, uh, notably Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh, cool. And he scored a bunch of movies, too. The Dead Zone, the first three Die Hard films, Lethal Weapon, X-Men, etc. Mm-hmm. And he also worked with electronic duo Orbital on the score to this film. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, this this movie definitely had like a, I don't know, it felt like a 90s score at sometimes, like the intro and the outro. The intro and the outro were real techno heavy. The first song that plays in the ending credits is a prodigy song, right? Oh, <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> Yeah, this movie, uh, it had some 90s vibes throughout. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I think, uh, according to your chart that you put out last week, uh, is a vibe that we haven't seen enough of, right? You know, I think we're right where we need to be as far as the 1990s go and our okay. <laughs> coverage of 1990s films. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought uh, whoa, yeah, well, I thought we are over-indexing on the 80s and like 90s and 70s were kind of under-utilized uh, or, or represented um, no, 90s was pretty big. Um, I think 80s is a decent size, but of course people ask for more 80s. Yeah. I think 1970s is the most glaringly obvious decade that we have not covered enough. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. That, glad, and the glad 60s it. is like a tiny, tiny slice, so we should probably get on that too. Yeah, damn. All right. Uh, what else? Are there any other uh, I don't have anything else except the Ohio Connection. You ready for that? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. As always, our Ohio Connection is done by our friend Alex, who connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so if you're in the area, go there and check out their delicious food and drinks. And Alex says... Event Horizon is a science fiction horror film directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Kathleen Quinlan, and Jolie Richardson. Set in 2047, it follows a crew of astronauts sent on a rescue mission after a missing spaceship spontaneously appears in orbit around Neptune. It was a commercial failure at the box office, but has gained a cult following as years have passed. In August 2019, it was reported that Paramount Television and Amazon Studios were developing a television spinoff series, with horror filmmaker Adam Wingard set to executive produce and possibly direct. Wingard's works include Your Next, The Guest, Godzilla vs. Kong, and 2016's Blair Witch. Wingard graduated from Full Sail University in 2022. No, I'm sorry, in 2002. Full Sail University is a private, for-profit university in Winter Park, Florida. Before moving to Florida in 1980, it was formerly a recording studio called Full Sail Production, located in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, a recording studio moved to Florida and became a university? Exactly. Wow. I told Alex, I believe this is like his most obscure connection yet. <laughs> and possibly made up, or for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he got desperate. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's a good one. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Learned something new there. Um, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, any other background or you want to jump into the plots uh, and review the film? You know, that's all I got. I think we'll talk more about it in the review and the plot, but we just casually mentioned this, but the budget for this movie was $60 million. That's a lot of money for a gory haunted house movie in space. Yeah, it is, especially in like 1990s or whatever. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, what do, you, what do you think? A lot of it went towards like set design or, because you had some cool uh, settings here. Yeah, yeah. Set design, special effects. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, that, that is a high number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure. But just right. wanted to make sure people didn't think we were walking right by that. Sure, sure. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, let's talk about the plot. Uh, hit some spoilers. But before we do, do you mind if we take a quick break? Uh, my, my eyes are itching a bit. Just want to rinse them out. Okay. Sure, man. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'll be right back. Okay. Hey, sorry about that, man. I'm back. Yeah, everything okay with the eyes? Oh, yeah. You know, they're just bothering a little bit. So uh, I decided to just uh, take them out and put them to the side for a while until we finish the podcast. <laughs> uh, such a hassle sometimes, right, to do your work with your eyes on? Just bob them out and set them aside. <laughs> yeah. We don't need them. We're going on this one. <laughs> Should be okay. You won't need eyes to podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, this movie opens by letting the viewers know that back in 2042, which uh, obviously in the future, uh, a spaceship went missing. It was called the Advent Horizon, kind of disappeared uh, somewhere around Neptune. And then we jump to the future and it's 2047, I think. Or wait, is it 2040? 2040 and then 2047. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, seven years later, the movie's taking place in 2047 and we meet Captain Miller. He's the space fan with his crew, and they're going on the special mission out to <laughs> Neptune. Is spaceman not the right word? <laughs> Hi, I'm a spaceman. <laughs> That's not what you Captain say. Captain Miller, spaceman. Yeah. <laughs> that line always works, man. It's, <laughs> it's good. Uh, but they're going on this mission to Neptune, and they're joined by Dr. Weir. Dr. Weir lets them know that they've uh, received a distress signal from the event horizon that had gone missing seven years earlier and this crew is now on their way to investigate where it's been for the past seven years he also lets them know that the ship had this technology that allowed it to create a black hole which let it travel through distances really quickly by like folding a paper versus uh through a line or something uh, <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> nailed that explanation <laughs> check <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, we also hear, I think, yeah, I think this is kind of a bit of horror, but we hear the audio distress signal from uh, the event horizon, and we kind of like hear people screaming and someone yelling, uh, "Save or liberate us uh, or liberate me" in in Latin. Yeah, what, what, save me. Save me. Okay, cool. Uh, what do you think of this whole opening sequence? Uh, I enjoyed it. There was a little nightmare uh, here from Weir who sees his deceased wife kind of with no eyeballs saying she's waiting. Mm -hmm. um, so I liked that aspect of it. Everything's pretty much fine. They're, the 90s intro credits were 
pretty odd. They were kind of just like, it was just this weird blurry <laughs> screen behind the credits with techno music playing. But uh, yeah. I'm on board. I, I like the intro here. And I think the when he very first wakes up, right, he wakes up from a dream of a body like floating in space in a deserted spacecraft. Yeah, right. Right, like there's like a floating watch and a floating body, so it's kind of like an initial jump scare, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you on the credits. Pretty pretty weird uh, intro, but uh, 90s, so, you know, seem like Matrix kind of vibes. Um, but uh, this whole opening and, like, the setting of, like, a crew on a mission that they don't know what they're on, but there's a special guest who's joining them and is going to explain it to them. Um, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like we've seen so many movies that have that same premise where like the first 20 minutes of this movie basically copy you know alien predator uh yeah most recently like dawn of or not dawn of the dead but army of the dead like it's such a familiar trope by now uh isn't it hmm yeah i mean it's it's a bit alien-esque but i wasn't bothered by it i don't think it's so tropey that it's uh downside of the movie to me yeah, it's it's not a downside. I, I I just feel like uh, it's not like you could skip the first twenty minutes, or I could tell you what happens in the first twenty minutes of this film without like watching it. Like it's just a crew's going somewhere, and there's a special guest on them, like the guest, and that guest like knows what the mission is, which I feel like is like how a lot of movies uh, start off, I guess. But you would be like, how in terms of a piece of paper did this ship work? <laughs> That's true. That was the critical element. <laughs> that was the real there. Going to that, though, uh, you remember that book, The Tesseract, from like when we were kids? Um, I don't know if I ever did. Oh, okay, okay. I, I thought that was like the, the most common sense thing now. Like, it, you go up to anyone, you're like, hey, what's the shortest distance between these two points? It's never like draw a line. It's always fold of paper. Like, everyone knows that, right? But don't you think we have Event Horizon to partially thank for that? Is is that what normalized that that form of travel for for the generations to follow? I think it might have been, yeah. I think so. Yeah, maybe you're right. I, you know, I, I think uh, this other movie also did that. Um, oh, what was that space movie from like a few years ago with Matthew McConaughey? Oh, Interstellar? Yeah, I think they use a similar uh, description. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, weird commentary on Sam Neill without his shirt on. Oh. Don't you think he kind of looks like the hunky guy in like a 1950s or 60s movie? Oh, like, like the- They stand up really straight and they're like clearly supposed to be ripped, but compared <laughs> to like a ripped guy in the movies n- nowadays, it's yeah. just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what 1950s, 60s ripped looks like. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's the exact same body and posture that, that Sam Neill's got going on here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't pay uh, too much attention to, to the the chess situation, but I, I know exactly what you mean now. I, I feel like I can picture that. Um, all right, well, uh, so they f- f- stumble upon the event horizon, they find it, and um, I didn't get this. Like, there's like a thunderstorm perpetually going around uh, the event horizon, but isn't it in space where you don't have thunderstorms? I meant to look that up about what was causing that, but I'm sure they did their homework. Okay. After right. that paper folding scene, I was bought into whatever this movie wanted to tell me <laughs> happened in space. Sure. All right. <laughs> they got you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think there can be like electrical storms with near the atmosphere of other planets, maybe, or yeah. I don't know. I, I'm sure there's a reason. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I'm sure. All right. Uh, so they find the ship, uh, and they're seeing some like strange readings, like that there's life on the ship, uh, but they go in there and they don't find anyone. 
they do see some creepy things like this dead body floats by. Uh, we see some of the walls are just like covered in blood. Um, this one crew member finds this room that has the gravity drive in it, which is this kind of cool looking uh, ball, rotating ball thing with the rings around it. And he accidentally gets sucked into it, like it turns into a black liquid that sucks him in. The crew manages to pull him out, but he's pretty knocked out and in this coma. Um, and when this the gravity ball does that, it also releases a bunch of gravity that destroys the ship that they came on. So now they have only a few hours to make repairs to that ship before they run out of clean air. So they begin doing some of these repairs, but the crew starts to see some creepy things around uh, the event horizon. Uh, one of the members uh, imagines seeing her son there with his legs all cut up. Dr. Weir in, is in like a tunnel and he sees like his dead wife again. Captain Miller sees a, a flaming body of one of his old teammates. Uh, what do you think of all these scares? Were, were they effective for you? I thought they were pretty effective to me, but uh, what did you think? Uh, I thought the edits were like really quick and um, yeah, there wasn't like a lot of buildup. Like the, the the scary thing would show up and then it would jump to the next scene really quick. Uh, so it was just kind of weird. I, I feel like they were just like trying to pop in these nuggets without like fully creating a, a full functioning set piece or scene or something. So it felt a little bit rushed, I guess. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, one of my overall kind of complaints, but also benefits of this movie is it's the pacing is really fast. It just keeps yeah. moving. But as a consequence, it does sometimes just plain feel rushed. Like yeah. you've got a lot happening in this hour and 36 minute runtime, and uh, it does feel rushed sometimes. So I'll buy into that. Um, yeah. But I will say that I think it's a very atmospheric movie. Even if it's rushing through some scares, mm-hmm. I don't think it's just like hidden empty jump scares or creepy stuff. Yeah. I think there's a lot of foreboding in this movie as well. You know, that's interesting because uh, the Dr. Weir scene, I think, has good foreboding because, like, he's in a tunnel. He's hearing a, na- a voice call his name. The lights are turning off. He can't see where he is, and, like, suspense is building up. It's pretty atmospheric. Uh, the other dude, though, Captain Miller, he's just hanging outside, and suddenly, like, someone walks out of the water and fire, and the scene cuts. Uh, so I-, I feel like some of the buildup was gone, and then, you know, doesn't that kind of cut into the atmosphere then of the film? Sure. Yeah, it does. It, it's a detriment a little bit. I think that editing is this film's biggest weakness, and we know why. Paramount yeah. rushed it. So right. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think that I don't, most of the complaints you have about editing, I may not share them, but I yeah. think that they, they're they understandable based on the circumstances, not to make excuses for the movie. But yeah, that's that's the biggest weakness of the film overall. Yeah, yeah, it was good to see that, and like the 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 backstory on this film, uh, like yeah, knowing that they had to make that shortcut makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like what's driving a lot of the atmosphere that you're talking about uh, is also just like the the settings. Like I feel like every room in this spaceship, and I, I think you were mentioning at the top that like he was inspired by, oh yeah, like the Notre Dame or something. Like uh, it's a pretty creepy looking spaceship inside compared to like it's an awesome ones. set design. Yeah, and they, yeah. I mean, they established right away when they connect with the ship and board it that. It's pretty much deserted. The gravity's turned off at first, so there's just shit floating around. There's a cool scene where one of the characters, Peter, says, I've got some blood here, because she sees a little bit on one of the control boards or something. Mm-hmm. And then behind her, that lightning flashes into the windows of the ship. And you see, like, bones and skull fragments and viscera just kind of, like, pasted along the window sills behind her. She doesn't yeah. see it, but we do as the audience. And... It's it's a nice touch. The set yeah. design is just really cool. 
Yeah, yeah. I think and that's a th- not unlike Alien, there's a lot of long takes. So there are some scenes where the editing is rushed, but yeah. you get some long shots of the ship just really letting you get comfortable slash uncomfortable with the surroundings. So sure. uh, I think that, that really drives the atmosphere. It does, yeah, and some really cool visuals, uh, yeah, with, like, the blood and stuff, and then uh, even, like, the gravity machine or, like, that tunnel they have to walk through to get to the gravity machine. I think this is some pretty cool uh, set designs and, like, cool pieces. Agreed. Um, But, uh, yeah, so then we come up, uh, I think, on... Oh, yeah, the crew finds the video logs that were documented in the last days of the event horizon by the older crew, and we see, I think, what is now and famously known as the Blood Orgy video, which is uh, this, it's almost like torture porn. It's like a, a really quick, like, minute, not even a minute, probably like 15, 20 seconds of, like, people covered in blood or torturing each other while they're having sex and uh, screaming and there's, like, Latin going on. It's a, a pr- pretty brutal video here. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think? Pretty shocking? The first time I saw this and, and the first couple of times after I was super shocked like it was intense yeah but strangely and part of this is because I've watched the slowed down version of this on YouTube oh before so I've I'm really familiar with it now yeah and it's taken away some of the scariness for me but it is still an intense and shocking sequence (laughs) for any horror movie so is the slowed down version takes away from it in a way, you know, seeing the scary part of a movie out of the context of the movie oh, can yeah. kind of take some stuff away from it. So I think maybe I've overexposed myself to it. I still sure. think it's scary, but yeah, uh, it wasn't the biggest thing. It wasn't the biggest takeaway for me this time. Sure, sure, yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like this is one of the scenes that I, I vividly remembered from like yeah, you know, when I saw it back in the '90s or whatever. Um, right. Because yeah, right. it was like everyone talked about it. Right. Right. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically like a torture porn level, right? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I hesitate to call it torture porn cause you don't necessarily, yeah, sure. I guess extreme torture porn, yeah. but it all happens so fast. It's like almost hard to tell what you're seeing. I know. I know. Right. Right. Uh, okay. So, uh, the crew has determined at this point that they believe the ship has traveled to hell and that's what it's been for these last seven years. And it's come back, and it's likely possessed by something, and now kind of reacting to this new crew being on there, which is a crazy theory, but uh, they, they feel pretty confident about it. Uh, so they set out to destroy it, but Dr. Weird this whole time has been having like this kind of creepy side agenda where he's like really, I don't know, enamored with the ship or like feels like bonded to it. I can't tell like when he started being weird. Um, could you, like, was he always like... Sinister was a ship kind of making him have a a side hustle. What, what was going on there? <laughs> a side a side hustle as a minion in Formel. Yeah, <laughs> got good benefits. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, you know, from the start, he's painted as someone kind of hmm. Maybe it's maybe hinted at that he was obsessed with his work and obsessed with the ship. Uh, he doesn't seem like the mad scientist type at first, but then he's he does start to. He starts to feel very connected to the ship, and he's kind of in denial. He keeps saying the gravity drive is perfectly safe, mm-hmm. and Captain Miller's like, my ship is in pieces and want to make my crew may not make it home alive. Right. Um, so, yeah, things... He's 
at the best in denial and at the worst a co-conspirator of the ship yeah right right and i can't tell and it starts to you know maybe start on that one end and then travel down the spectrum yeah yeah and i i couldn't tell like what what was triggering him but i mean obviously he had like some kind of connection to the shift that was making him go that way right i mean obviously the movie opens with him having kind of premonitions right he he mm-hmm. has a nightmare about the ship even though he i guess he knows that it's out there at this point in time oh um, yeah but then he also has the nightmare about his wife saying like be with me or whatever so sure uh, I think he's his psyche is somehow connected to the ship. Yeah, it's that's ba- basically his baby. Yeah, right, right. That's really interesting. I almost wonder if like the ship reemerging in that dream he has in the beginning is like the ship calling him back to it or something. Um, so sure, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does send out a, a beacon, so it wants right. somebody to come find it. Maybe it's sending a psychic beacon to Weir as well. Right, as its creator or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna put psychic beacon in. the band name possibilities list. yeah that sounds awesome <laughs> i gotta see this list sometime <laughs> uh so yeah speaking of dr weir being strange he cuts his eyes out and uh kills some of the crew members and then he blows up the ship that the crew had arrived on and he sets course for the event horizon to travel back into the other dimension to hell so captain miller gets into a brief fight with him and Dr. Weir ends up getting sucked out into space, which is kind of like Alien, right? Um, who gets sucked out to space, aside from the alien itself? Oh, the, no, the alien. Just the alien? Yeah. Wait, does Weir get sucked out to, into space? Yeah, I remember like uh, the the window explodes and... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dr. Weir gets sucked out. I thought the whole ship exploded, though, ultimately. Oh, yeah, we're not at that part yet. Okay, okay, gotcha. Right, he comes back. Sorry, sorry, skipping ahead. Yeah, so, so, so then now, now that Weir's been uh, thrown out into space, Captain Miller uh, has decided that they're going to blow up the ship and uh, they'll take off on the, one of the rescue pods with the remaining crew. But while he's getting all the explosives ready, Dr. Weir shows back up again, and this time he looks different. His eyes are back and his face is all kind of cut up. Uh, what'd you think of, uh, Dr. Or yeah. What'd you think of Dr. Mir without the eyes versus with the eyes and face cut up? Oh, I didn't realize his eyes were back in this, this go around. I think so. And and it does like the camera does some uh, interesting stuff where it like just zooms in on like his eyes and like his face uh, a lot. So yeah, I, th- I think he's fully eyed at this point, but just okay. his face is kind of like eyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, he didn't cut out his eyes, right? His wife the vision of his wife like gouged out his eyes oh Claire did that to him he was like on his knees in front of her with his head on her belly and then she grabs his head and gouges out his eyes oh yeah yeah you're right oh man yeah oh I I thought that killed him but yeah no you're right that's what happened right yeah good call we're on the struggle bus sorry everybody we'll (laughs) we'll write the ship yeah I could catch uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, what did you think of uh, of the second appearance of his? Like when he comes back, heads shaved. Uh, I think he's naked. Um, his face is all cut up, but he's like full like demon form now or something. Yeah, I think he's full on an uh, agent of hell at this point. Uh, right. I'm cool with it. I, I like it. Something I, about this confrontation feels slightly underwhelming to me, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little quick again. And, uh, I mean, he's like, uh, they, they kind of like have a little fist fight where 
but but obviously this guy's like really strong dr weir as, as like this demon dude yeah um but miller sacrifices himself and hits the detonator and him and dr weir die in this and the ship explodes but the three remaining crew passengers or members uh, they make it out into the escape pod they get recovered and one of the crew members briefly hallucinates that the demon dr weir is still with them but then she's woken up by one of the rescuers and everything turns out to be okay uh w- would you think of that like last kind of scare oh you know it's a uh... A bit typical, but I kind of appreciated that it wasn't the exact last thing we saw because that's yeah. when it really bothers me. Oh, um, sure. And the movie ends on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just so <laughs> deliberate and obvious what they're trying to do there. Um, but it was still left a little bit open and up in the air because the last shot you see is a a door closing. Um, and we don't know if the ship is like, sealing them in to trap them or if that was just what the door was supposed to do um but they're 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 concealed from our view as by when this door closes so it kind of leaves things a little bit up in the air like was that just a nightmare of hers or is are things actually going to go wrong here yeah i i read that too that like that was like that door closing was supposed to be a little mysterious but when i watched it i didn't get that vibe did you uh yeah i did i did you were just like yeah doors close yeah that's how doors work <laughs> they open and they close it's a spaceship it's probably got sensors all over and uh and and uh yeah why, why wouldn't a door close by itself <laughs> uh there's no reason a door wouldn't close by itself but there <laughs> is a reason that a camera would focus on that you know that they would include that in the in the final cut of the movie mm. that they would shoot it that way yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I thought it was like a way of like saying the end, like maybe it said the end on the door. <laughs> I guess not. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's interesting. That, that So that's supposed to like leave this doubt in your mind whether uh, the rescue pod is haunted or not? Sure, yeah. Because it I was see. a tat, I mean, it was part of the ship. It, it wasn't a separate thing. It was just they, they blew the ship in half, right? And yeah. So that the first, the front half of the ship could act as a lifeboat in an emergency. Yeah. And if the whole ship is alive, then, uh, you know, they were in the front portion of the ship when they started seeing some of that stuff. Right. So right. Yeah. There's no reason to think it's all better now. Um, That's I mean, true. there is because, you know, they're not attached to the portal anymore, but they've, we're framed it as the entire ship came back alive. Yeah, right, right. Damn. Wow. So, yeah, wherever that uh, rescue pod is, potentially it's still uh, haunted then, huh? Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Not, yeah, again, lo- it's not a rescue pod. Stop it. Okay. The front of the ship. <laughs> I, I, I like that, uh, that, that like kind of uh, openness of the ending. That, that That's cool. Kind of mysterious. Yeah. I do, I do like your vision with one door saying the and the other door saying and, and <laughs> yeah. as it closes you. <laughs> exactly. The techno music comes back on. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what did you think of this movie? I was not disappointed. I thought I would see this through a totally different lens and not respect it as much as I did with a kid. And I did see it as a, through a different lens, but... Um, I appreciated a lot about it that I didn't really catch this time. And actually some of the scariest elements and takeaways for me were not the visions of hell and blood orgy stuff, but just some of the other death scenes and haunting scenes and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. So yeah, which like, like her seeing her, uh, the one crew member seeing her son or, uh, like him seeing his dead wife or, or the guy covered in fire, like you'd put those kind of as the top scary scenes on this. 
Yeah, and it, one scene that was pretty disturbing that we didn't talk about is Justin, the guy who originally enters the gravity drive and gets sucked in. He's in horrible shape afterwards, and he's not responsive, and they've got him in the hospital wing. And then he regains consciousness and wanders out into the airlock and seems to be kind of possessed and says he's, like, seen too much and he doesn't want to live anymore. So then he opens the outside door and has 30 seconds before it opens. And in the meantime, he kind of comes out of his trance. And he's like, where am I? Like, please don't let this happen. I don't want to die. And everyone's freaking out. They're trying to save him. And we see blood start to come out of his eyes and you hear the sounds that he makes as his veins start to like bulge out of his skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a pretty terrifying moment to me. What did you think of that one? Yeah, you know, now that you say that, I feel like that was like one of the best uh, built up uh, horror scenes in this film. Like, yeah, that, that that scene of him like floating in space, blood coming out while that like one guy's trying to save him. And in like the panic of those like 30 seconds while he knows it's coming. Um, yeah, pretty powerful, man. I, I mean, I wish the movie had more scenes like that that kind of took its time to build up and had those kind of crazy, amazing effects. That, that, that was kind of a standout piece in this. I thought it was an intense scene. Yeah, and he, uh, Peter's, he calls her Mama Bear and she calls him Baby Bear. And it's not super <laughs> explained, but you can tell they kind of have a bond and they're looking each, at each other through the window as this is about to happen. So yeah, I thought it was pretty intense, man. That was intense, um, yeah. I'll give you that. And I liked Peter's being haunted by her son. They don't go into a lot of background info there, but I kind of assumed that she had some guilt. It kind of seemed like everyone was haunted by guilt, really, right? Mm -hmm. Because Weir was haunted by his wife who killed herself, and he's apologizing that he devoted himself so much to work and didn't have time for her or wasn't there for her when things were wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the mom, Peter's has guilt over her son who she now can't be with on Christmas because of this mission. And I think maybe perhaps has some guilt because of an accident that caused him to lose the use of his legs. Oh. Cause you see him running yeah. at some point as a ghost. And you can see in like the home video of, of her that she receives from him that he seems to be in some sort of a chair. Interesting. And yeah. she sees his, him with his injured legs. So I kind of wondered if he had some accident that she felt guilt over and then she ended up falling from a great height to her death. So I wondered if that was maybe the type of accident that happened to him. But mm-hmm. again, I don't know if that's available in the lost footage or if we just weren't meant to know. It actually was kind of intriguing to me that I didn't know more about it. Yeah, that's so interesting, man. I, I, I was so confused on like why she's seeing her son what was like wrong with his legs and on that uh, one shot and then uh, yeah the scene of him like running around and her chasing him uh, it just I, I couldn't really like connect it like why uh, that was like such an important thing or like what, what it had to do with the story but that, that backstory behind it makes a lot of sense then yeah and that, then I think guilt is the common thread because Captain uh, Miller right, sees the yeah. guy who he let he didn't really have much of a choice but a, a crewmate who died kind of on his watch as captain yeah yeah. So, yeah, that, that three. Uh, yeah, those three uh, examples are powerful. But do you feel like uh, it gave enough space and weight to those, or the ending with the doctor kind of coming back as like the agent of hell or whatever, like the, like the demon there, um, kind of take away from some of that by putting like a, a villain or a person behind it versus like the villain just being guilt? I think that 
the villain isn't guilt. It was a theme in their hauntings, but I think that's probably one aspect of hell is just like soaking in your own grief and guilt and remorse and, and whatnot. Um, but mm-hmm. then I do think that they needed to expand it to this broader element of just hell itself. And you kind of have to put a human face on that, I think, or it becomes too nebulous. So I kind of yeah. like that Weir was at first a bit of a like hero slash main character and then became the villain. I mean, Captain Miller is really kind of the hero the, all the way through, but I liked his transition and his psychological, uh, I don't know, almost a bit of a psychological horror here and him kind of losing his mind to the ship. Yeah. I don't think he's enough the main character to call this a psychological horror film, but I liked that. I liked him becoming one with the ship and then becoming the agent of hell, essentially. Sure. I feel like what they were trying to do with Dr. Weir was similar to like Jack in The Shining or um, I'm sure there are a number of other examples out there where someone like becomes bonded with like the demon and and an agent of them. but I, I think why it works, like in some movies, and, and, and maybe not so much this one, is you're with that character for longer. You're seeing them kind of like question themselves, and then kind of like be taken by like their weaknesses. And I'm, I'm not sure I got enough of that from like Doctor Weir. And maybe it's because he had like so many other characters. But like his total screen time, like I, I don't feel like his like d- uh, fall into paranoia or into dementia, and like becoming like this embodiment of hell. Uh, it, it it felt like it was like f- it jumped like too quickly, maybe for me. Okay. I feel like I can understand that, but at the same time, I do think they they let us down the path. You know, at first he's kind of denying, he's trying to figure it out in his mind, come up with what some might think is a passable excuse for why someone could think this would happen. Then it starts to become a bit more like, okay, this dude's straight up ignoring shit. Yeah. And then he'll say stuff under his breath, like midway through the movie, like, she won't let you leave. And Yeah. <laughs> so it is kind of <laughs> gradual, but... I will I'll buy into what you're saying a little bit just because of the rushness of the movie in general, but I didn't really feel yeah. that way as far as his character arc goes. Sure, sure. You know, I, I agree. I think his the way he exposes himself is kind of gradual and little by little, like he goes uh, on that spectrum. But I, I guess the motivation for him to do so is kind of what I, I, I didn't, I don't know if I fully saw, like what was pushing him along that uh, thing to go from, you know, somewhat respectable scientist to like full on demon dude. Like what, what was... Uh, motivating him at, at each turn uh, to, like, w- yeah. I, I couldn't tell what, what was uh, behind him. Satan. Oh, yes. Yeah. Satan <laughs> was behind him pull, pulling those strings slowly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, that, that last fight between uh, uh, him and uh, Captain Miller, it did feel a little bit anticlimactic, didn't it? Um. Yes and no. I mean, they had to like have some sort of showdown, and Weir's got to be the personification of that. I feel like, but yeah, they're just kind of beating each other up and kicking each other around. But I liked that Miller then had the explosive and blew up the gravity drive, which was really the only thing that Weir ever seemed to care about. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Actually, now that I think the second he saw the gravity drive, we kind of like he had like an expression that you knew like something was going to be off about him, right? <laughs> yeah yeah there is a deleted scene where they cut to his pants and he just gets a giant boner as soon as he sees the gravity drive <laughs> just a wet spot for him <laughs> i gotta go uh going back to something you said at the beginning of the podcast around um the concept of being like an original idea and stuff 
does any part of this movie, like watching it now, after we've seen like so many other films, feel like they just kind of combined things like Alien, The Shining, Hellraiser, and that's all this movie is, is like a, a three or four way between all these films? I think once you get a three or four way, it becomes original <laughs> enough that <laughs> that it's not a copy. You know, I mean, it's if it's a movie we've seen a thousand times before, or if it's very much a copy off of one movie, but it took enough elements from different movies that I don't think it felt unoriginal to me. I mean, it's a a sci-fi movie about a ship that had the technology to like bend space and time, and in doing so, it accidentally traveled to hell and came back. I mean, that's an original concept to me. Sure. But if someone is like, hey, can you make a movie that's alien uh, in The Shining and Hellraiser, wouldn't this be like the first plot you'd think of? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess the mechanics of it, I don't know if I'd instantly say, oh yeah, gravity drive, paper folding, and went <laughs> yeah, to hell. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't... Yeah, I'm not catching what you're throwing. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I'm mean, like I, I feel like uh, uh, you, you saw like very very heavy influences from those meetings. But also, I hear what you're saying. Like the the idea to combine elements from those movies and make a cohesive story out of it. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess this was the first time someone was doing that. So that, yeah, that, I do think there's there's some shining influence here. There's a scene with a bunch of like blood bursting out of a glass window. It's very right. reminiscent of the elevator blood scene. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like a you know a, a, an individual who's like overtaken by it and now like on the side of the possessed entity or whatever. Yeah, and I think that you're that's an astute uh, parallel to draw between Weir and and Jack Torrance. Sure, sure. Um, what did you think? I feel like a lot of the scares in this movie, uh, not the ones we talked about, but the other ones relied on like quick shots of like footage of like hell or of uh, like the blood orgy or whatever. Um, the, and these were like you know like quick like two three second uh, cuts that were like kind of pop outy, but I, I don't know. Wait, wait, did, did you care for those? Um, yeah, I do like those because I feel like you do see a lot and it's really quick and jarring, like the audio is as well. Mm-hmm. But it's also so fast that it's a bit disorienting and you kind of have to piece together what exactly you saw. Yeah. Um, so it's showing you a lot, but I think at the same time allows you to imagine even more and fill in the blanks of what else is, is going on in that blood orgy. Sure. Yeah, because, like, I mean, hell is, like, such a big concept in this film, so I, I feel like they had to put those in. Though, I, I felt like the blood orgy did that, and we didn't need, like, the three or four other times, like, that kind of popped in really quick. Um, but, I don't know, it, it also kind of makes me wonder what was, like, left on the editing floor, because, you know, if, if you're going to have, like, those scenes in there, I think it would have been cool to have a little bit more gore or have those be a little bit longer to give you more of a, a scare or bring out that aspect of the film a little bit more. Yeah, supposedly that did end up on the cutting room floor, a longer version of the visions from hell scene during Miller's final fight with Weir. Sure. With more shot of with more shots of Event Horizon's crew being tortured, supposedly. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I hate to see that stuff, but I think it would have been a, a cool way to give the film a bit more of an edge or, or scare there. All right, your relationship with Gore gets even more difficult for me to understand. <laughs> I, I don't enjoy it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, anything else uh, you would call out here? Uh, yeah, man. I think, uh, to me, this is a truly scary movie. It still holds up uh, with that element in the rewatch, but what stood out to me this time was the cinematography and the production design and the lighting. Like It all comes together really well. 
succeeds in the gothic haunted house vibe that they're going for mm-hmm. and gives the movie a lot of atmosphere. Um, there's a lot of like artificial green and reds and blues in the lighting, mm-hmm. um, which kind of, I've been watching a lot of like Bava films lately and, um, yeah, it just kind of is reminiscent of some of his kind of gothic haunted house stuff, which has these like unnatural greens and like Suspiria and Argento stuff, which has all these reds and blues. So I think it really worked visually, like combining all that with this dark gothic setting, but also really techie and sci-fi at the same time. Yeah. Um, and even though it's basically trying to be a haunted house movie in space, and it does follow a lot of conventions of the haunted house genre. To me, it kind of avoids being too tropey. Like, there's some jump scares for sure, but it doesn't overindulge in that kind of stuff. And to yeah. me, the scares were earned and authentic. Mm. Um, and when you do see a lot of stuff, it's some pretty horrifying visuals. Like, there's also the scene with uh, that one dude who got like blood eagled kind of, and his guts oh were God. just on the table. Yeah, that was cool. Yep. Like, it's not just the visions of hell and the video that have horrifying, gory moments. It's kind of peppered throughout the movie with other scenes as well. I thought it the is. Claire scenes were pretty haunting in the bathtub when she kills herself and stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty so, disturbing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point. There, There's, like, a sequence of, like, really well-designed scenes here with, like, pretty haunting visuals uh, that, that works. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, well done there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I agree with you on those, but, uh, for some reason, the, the dude on fire and the kid running around, um, those, I, I feel like didn't hit too hard for me. Uh, but I, I don't know. Did you find either of those scary? I did. I thought the, the thing with the mom and the son was kind of touching. Um, she was missing Christmas with her kid and just knowing that there was maybe some accident in his past kind of enhanced it for me. And she, then is like chasing him around and he leads her to a cliff where she essentially like falls to her doom while he smiles and watches it. I thought that was pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's like the tropiest thing, you know, a, a creepy haunting from a little kid, but, uh, I okay. thought it was effective. Yeah. Okay, cool. And cool. they built up to that one, um, pretty effectively to me. It wasn't like just a dude on fire walking out of some water for no reason. Sure. Sure. Uh, oh, the, yeah, the, the dude walking out of fire. Uh, I don't know, I felt like that was the most underdeveloped one, because like, you, you first see him walk out of the fire, it's a quick scene, then you get the whole monologue from uh, Captain Miller to his friend about, like, oh, I left this one guy behind, and that's why I can't leave anyone else behind. And then the dude pops up at the end again, but only for like a minute, and then he turns into Dr. Weir, possessed. Uh, so I, that, that one felt a bit uh, rushed to me. Yeah, on, I can hear that. Uh, I agree with you on that one. Yeah. But I'm um, glad he still found it pretty scary, though. That, that, that's great. I did. And this also, it, it, I didn't, I don't know, the last time I watched this movie, I wasn't thinking about budgets or anything like that. But it struck me how big and grandiose this movie is. Like, there's tons sure. of special effects, tons of sets, explosions. They flood the sets with blood and fire and water. <laughs> uh, it kind of it kind of wears that $60 million budget on its sleeve. I kind of dig it. Yeah, yeah. Things exploding in space. Yeah, uh, it's cool. Yeah, uh, which was a bit CGI there, but I, I don't think it looked too bad for the time period. Sure, sure. They kind of yeah. go out of their way to like maybe make some floating fluid come right at the camera one or two times too many. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it gets gross. But I think the some of the downsides. I'll agree with you on the general rushed feeling. Um, 
I also thought maybe Cooper's character didn't quite fit the vibe of the movie. He's kind of like the comedic relief of a character in like a big dumb '90s buddy cop movie. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's the one that dudes that survives at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's a pretty grim movie, so maybe the lighter elements are welcome, but it kind of seemed like it clashed to me. Yeah, tone-wise, that, that was way off. But it also, yeah, it's, it seemed very like typical 90s. Like You have to have that one character who's just like, oh, what's everyone doing, man? That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, or like, uh-oh, like this, he's kind of like a, I don't know. I he's also kind of wondered if he was like a stereotypical black character. Yeah, right, right, which was like a common thing back then, right? So I kind of throw in that character. Yeah, yeah, but then he's also like the one to survive, and the you know Lawrence Fishburne is the captain. So I yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe not. Maybe things are cool on that front, but yeah, I yeah. never know if I'm even qualified to analyze that that element of a movie. But it it stuck out a little bit to me. It kind of didn't match the rest of the movie either way. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. That character didn't make a lot of sense here. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, but otherwise, man, I I really dug it. I. I Wish there was a little bit more background on some of the characters and their relationships, but at the same time, I liked trying to fill in the blanks myself. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think in other movies, uh, sometimes, you know, we come out saying that none of the characters are likable here. And uh, even though they didn't go into like a lot of depth on these characters, I feel like a lot of them were pretty likable. And Captain Miller, I, I thought like he was like really well acted and uh, like the decision making, like you could totally buy into like, yeah, this guy's a great leader. Yeah, yeah, the acting was really good. And even if we didn't have a ton of background info on these guys, like, there's, we see a lot of them interacting, right? Like, sure. There's a good amount of screen time is them reacting, deciding what to do, talking with each other about what to do. So I think they're developed through that. Yeah. Yeah, um, that definitely helps. One of my favorite moments in the movie is right after they watch the full, like, blood orgy footage like after they've cleaned it up and everything mm-hmm. <laughs> captain miller sees it and just goes we're leaving <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so okay good, that's good in there yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man all right well uh anything else you want to jump to the rating let's jump to the ratings all right uh how many uh members of a blood orgy uh or how many people at a, at a blood orgy would you give this one I am, it's hard for me to decide if I want to invite four or four and a half people to this blood orgy. Okay. I like this more than I like a lot of fours, but I'm hesitant to go as high as like a four and a half because it does have some editing flaws, especially once the action gets going. I feel like I can't tell if this is bad editing or just a 90s trope. There's a lot of like slow motion of something happening with the voiceover of a male like grunting and screaming, like, yeah. oh, it's like yeah. a slow motion reaching for something he needs or whatever. I know. I know. One uh, of these action scenes, I feel like someone gets killed and like they fall to the ground and leave slowly in slow motion. It's, it's kind yeah. of silly. Yeah. Um, I want to do 4.25, but I know we never really go through the quarters. I'm going to go 4.5 <laughs> because I know you're going to give it something bad. So I'll even it out. <laughs> you can even it out. <laughs> All right, nice, man. That's great. I'm glad it was such a fun watch for you. Uh, I think a lot of this movie's assets just outshine its flaws to me. Sure. And there's probably some nostalgia baked in, but let's hear it. Let's have the news. 
All right, here it comes. <laughs> it's not that bad. I, I gave it a three blood orgies. This one, uh, you know, I, I think it went uh, down a little bit for me from what I remembered it. And I think uh, it has to do with, um, yeah, I, I would have loved to see more space in this, uh, more longer shots, uh, better editing, maybe hammered up the gore a little bit. Because uh, otherwise, I feel like this movie kind of just borrows from other movies and ties it together uh, pretty nicely. But um I don't know. So, if, so a part of it was like, wait, this this is this really original, or are these just four movies tied together? Um, and and then yeah, on, on the scary side, like some of those sideline scary sequences didn't work as well for me. I uh, would would have liked to see like more build up on those and um, a, a little bit more uh, of a climatic ending, I guess. Uh, so yeah, th- three people come into that blood orgy for me. All right, cool. Well, I mean, on the bright side, you've got a lower risk of STDs. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man. But it do you be... wear protection to a blood orgy? I don't know, man. Um, yeah. How... Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. So. I think all bets are off the table at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that point, you're just <laughs> yeah. Needles flying everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, three, four four people is always more original than three, right? Uh. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, like three some seems attainable, but a four and a half some that's yeah, you gotta have access to some resources, exactly. Know somebody, exactly, exactly. Gotta be in the business. Cool, man. Well, anything else you want to call out? Uh, I think that's it, man. I'm I'm glad we rewatched it, it was a good choice, and uh, I'm glad it held up for me. And I understand most of your criticisms, but not all of them. Yeah, no, I, I, it, was, it was a fun watch. I'm, I'm glad we watched it, too. It was definitely one that like had been on my mind for a long time, so good, good to see it again. Cool. Well, that's all, all right. I got, man. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to be it for our discussion on Event Horizon. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join in the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord where we're chatting up with some other horror movie fans. You can find the link for that on our website. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com and you can find some merchandise to our show. And until next time... If you're going on a trip somewhere and there's a random doctor accompanying you who is some kind of VIP, things probably aren't going to end well for you. So maybe just abort or get off the plane or something. (laughs) I I think that's another trip, right? Uh, doctor leading you into an inevitable blood orgy? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The doctor blood orgy trip, of course. Yeah, doctor's always trying to get you on this. (laughs) 